last, last week we started talking about this thing called the way. All right, the way we should, should follow Christ, the things that we should do as, as followers of Christ. And last week we talked about prayer, all right, how there is power in prayer, how there's power in a community that prays. Um, and I hope this past week you, you guys found some, some little pockets to, to stop and, and pray throughout your day. Um, I told you that, that prayer was not my go-to move. Okay, remember I said I'm a mover, I'm a doer, and I was like this all last week, and probably all of y'all were getting tired, uh, which I have to say, yeah, Robbie in the back, back there. Um, I have to say thank you. I've had a lot of constructive criticism, but out of love, out of love, um, to, to help me with some of these things, one of the things was Noah Kaplinger. Where's Noah? I'm going to pick on you a little bit. He comes up to me and he brings me the Spider-Man stress ball. And he says, Jared, just stand up on stage and just squeeze it. That might slow you down some so we could actually see you as you're pacing back and forth. So if I pick up a ball, please don't, um, don't focus on that um, because I won't be focusing on it. Um, so now we are a community. Okay, and I hope that, like I said, y'all found some time to pray throughout this week. And I want to ask y'all to keep getting on to me about being a prayer, okay? Because I need, I need it just as much as you guys do. Um, and as we continue on this journey, um, do you remember last week I said I love fires, right? And how Acts was the uh, was, was a account of the fire of Christianity that spread throughout the land. So today we're going to look at... Um, Another story of how that fire keeps spreading. All right, today we'll be in Acts chapter 8. All right, and we'll be jumping around a little bit. We'll start with verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to jump over to verse 26 and finish out the chapter through verse 40. But before we dive headfirst into this, let's talk about witness. That's what today is, the way of witness. So what, what is this thing called witness? All right, what is our witness? Do we have, do all of us have a witness? Um, have you ever had something happen to you um, that just changed the way you saw life or the way you acted? All right, for me, I, I was in 10th grade. Our, my high school, I went to South Effingham High School. Um, our high school had just hired a brand new head football coach. Okay, there was excitement coming back into the program. My freshman year, we went two and eight. It was not a good year. Um, my freshman year, we ran the Notre Dame box offense. Does anybody know what that is? Yeah, you start in a full house backfield, if you know this, and you shift, and it's a direct snap to the running back. It's a great offense if you have 300-plus-pound linemen and four, five, 40 running backs. FEM County, we don't have that. Um, so we went 2-8, and eight, and this, this new coach comes in. There's excitement, and at his first meeting, before he even introduces himself, he tells a story, okay? And I want to tell you this story. It's real quick. And he, he stands there, and he always, he always stood like this right here, a hand over his mouth. You could barely hear him. And uh, he said, every day on the Serengeti, a gazelle wakes up, knowing that it's going to have to run faster than the fastest lion, or it's going to be eaten. And every day, a lioness wakes up, knowing that it's going to have to run faster than the slowest gazelle, or she's going to starve. So the moral of this story is when you wake up, you better be running. So that, that changed me. Maybe that's why I'm a mover now. Um, it changed just the way I thought about things. Um, I don't know why, but that's just 
how it was. Um, actually, if I, if I were to just stop moving and try and speak to you guys, my mind just shuts off. It doesn't, I just can't do it. Um, or maybe it's, it's not a story, all right? It's an event that happened. Um, I took my youth group when I was at Claxton First United Methodist. We went skiing to Winter Place, West Virginia. Beautiful place. And while we were there, um, it was during New Year's. We were there like the day before New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve, and New Year's. And so on New Year's Eve, we go out during the day. We're skiing, and we come back to the hotel. And, you know, everybody's changing. We're doing all that kind of stuff. And um, I'm sitting in my room, and I realize, you know, it's getting close to New Year's. I want us all to be together. Um, so I decided to, you know, go round up the troops and bring them back to my room. And as I'm standing up out of the chair, one of my guys comes busting in. He says, Jared, you've got to come check this guy out on TV. It is, I, I, I can't even explain it. Just come on. And he runs out the door. So, um, all right, let's go check it out. So I went in, and when I walked into the room, I saw my worst nightmare as a youth pastor. I saw both boys and girls in the same hotel room, okay? Side note, all right? This is a side note here. I have a strict no purple policy, okay? If you don't know what purple is, I'm about to teach you. Youth, this is a refresher course, okay? Guys are red. Guys are blue. Girls are red. When you mix them together, you get purple. I do not like purple, Okay, so you can you can imagine what I felt like when I walked in and there are guys and girls in the same room. And then I looked at the TV. And purple, that's the only time that purple ever went out of my mind, mainly because I was in the room at this time. But um, purple went out of my mind because what was on TV was this guy jumping a river in a car. Y'all know the Red Bull Challenge at New Year's? They've done it the past couple years. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It was that. This guy was jumping a river in a, a Subaru, whatever the race car is, and vroom, it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. I mean, I'm pulling out my cell phone. At that time, I had a flip phone, and I'm calling up my dad, and my dad answers it. He's like, hey, happy New Year. And I'm like, forget New Year's. You got to turn this TV on and check it out. You need to wake up. Colby, my younger brother, Shelby, my younger sister, you need to wake up mom, you, you just need to see it. And I hang up the phone on dad, and I go to call him my cousin. Hey, John, you've got to check this out. My, my cousin's asleep by this time, he doesn't care about that stuff. He's like, man, why are you waking me up? It was the most amazing thing that I had to see. I had to tell someone what I had witnessed. And, and that's what our witness is as Christians is. It is the story of how Jesus Christ has radically changed our life. Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins. And because of his sacrifice, we can have eternal life with God. All right? We can have a personal relationship with God. So our witness is telling people about this amazing gift of grace that we are given and how our lives are changed by it. Now, this is much easier said than done, right? Um, we get nervous when we talk to other people about Jesus. I get nervous when I talk to other people about Jesus, all right? We don't know how they'll take it. We don't know how we're going to look. You know, there's the cool factor involved in this. We don't know how we're going to look. Does anybody uh, know who Jim Gaffigan is, the stand-up comedian? Huh? Does anybody like Jim Gaffigan? One of his one of his jokes in his earlier stand-up is he stands up on stage and he says, I want everybody to feel comfortable here tonight at my show, so I'm going to talk to you about Jesus Christ. 
And I laughed so hard when I heard that because it's so true. All right, it is such an awkward thing for us. That's what made that joke so funny. Um, I've actually been walked up to and had someone try to tell me about Jesus, and I, I clammed up. I, I felt like I should have been preparing for this. Like, hold on, I didn't do my homework. No, hang on. You know, that's, that's the way I, I felt like I was having to prepare, prepare for that interaction. That's not how it should be. All right, I hope we can all agree to that. All right, well, we're all able to share the good news of Jesus Christ if we've experienced his grace and his love. And in chapter 8 of Acts, um, we see people telling others about Jesus, uh, but there was persecution coming down hard on this new faith of Christianity. All right, so um, actually, let's let's take a look at Acts chapter 8, starting with verses 1 through 3. It said, That day a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But, but Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house. Dragging off both men and women, he committed them to prison. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The unit asked Philip... About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip Philip away. The eunuch saw no more of him and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So there there was pressure all over the place. There was pressure all over the place to not share the good news of Jesus. But in the midst... Of all that, in the midst of Saul going into people's houses and dragging them out and carrying them off to prison, the Spirit moves Philip to go and share the good news. Now, Philip was also pulled away from a very successful ministry in Samaria. All right, there were people accepting Jesus left and right. And actually, if you read a little bit before this scripture that we have, it said that Peter and John, Peter and John, heard that the city of Samaria had accepted Christ. 
So they, went and they, so they went to pray with the people. Now, if I was to tell you that the city of Statesboro accepted Christ, that, that doesn't bring to mind like 10 or 15 or 20 people, does it? That brings to mind a majority of the people. So a, a lot of people were starting to follow Christ because of Peter's ministry in Samaria. It was very, very, very successful. All right, But the Holy Spirit told Philip, to go down the specific road, this road that probably wasn't traveled very much, but he goes. And as he's traveling, he comes across a chariot with an Ethiopian in it reading scripture from Isaiah. All right, the Spirit tells him another thing. Right? He tells Philip to go over to the chariot and join it. And as he's doing this, the Ethiopian asks him what the scripture means. This is, this is Philip's window of opportunity, and he sees it. He tells him all about the good news of Jesus. All right, now, this, this was a turning point. All right, Luke describes this in Acts because it is a turning point in how Philip and the other followers of Jesus Christ thought. All right, before this, they were, they were sticking to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, just right there close to home. And they were sharing the good news there. But this right here shows us what Acts 1, when Jesus tells um, his followers before he goes up into heaven. In Acts 1 verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will by my, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we see, this, we see that verse come full circle here. All right, The mission that the disciples receive... Excuse me. From the risen Christ starts to take on this this different shape. Um, at this time, Ethiopia was looked at at the, as the end of civilization. Past Ethiopia, there was nothing. Okay, so we see the gospel actually going to the ends of the earth. That's that's pretty cool to me. All right, that gets me excited. Now, I said earlier that we're all able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But that is definitely easier said than done. Right? Sharing the gospel is not something that um, there's, there's some formal liturgy in the book of worship of the United Methodist Church. Um, there's just not a set way. But in verse 35, we see Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture... He told the good news of Jesus. If you have your Bibles open, if you've got your smartphone up, if you've got a tablet out, please circle, star, highlight, underline, all of the above, that phrase. All right? Because Philip just started sharing. He didn't have a script or a pattern to follow. He didn't have a week to prepare a sermon. He wasn't carrying around notes. Philip just told what he knew. He simply told the story of Jesus. If, if you and I are going to witness to Jesus Christ in the way that those first disciples were witnesses, it means that we have to share what we know. And nothing more, nothing less, just what we know. All right? if, you, if you felt the Spirit lead you Tell your waiter about Jesus at lunch, whether it is if you go to RJ's, Fordham's, Farmhouse, Panera, Cracker Barrel, whatever, wherever it was. What would you start off with? 
Now, you probably wouldn't start off reciting the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and the earth. You know, you probably wouldn't do that. You probably wouldn't chase some guy down, put your hand on him, and start saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven and following this guy around. Um, I hope you wouldn't. You probably wouldn't get very good service after that. Um, so, so the key to being a witness is to share what you know. It is telling others what God has done through Jesus Christ in your own life. Uh, when, I was, when I was in high school, um, that is when Jesus' life-changing story hit me. I, I grew up in a church. From when I was tiny, if the doors were open, we were at church. Okay, And I will admit that I did grow up Baptist, but once I married Megan, she converted me to Methodism. Everything's fine now. Um, so we're all okay. So, but I, I grew up in a church. I grew up knowing what to do and what to say. Um, I was very good at giving those Sunday school answers. You know, those, uh, the easy answers that made it look like you got it all going on. Um, um, until one guy came to our youth group one Sunday night. And he shared this story that sounded like he was describing me exactly. Uh, and I realized at that point in time that I, I was going through the motions. I wasn't pursuing a relationship with God. I was giving those Sunday school answers. It was, it was all just a front. I realized at that point just how much I needed Jesus. Not that it was a privilege for Jesus to have me in his church. I was no better than anyone else. And that's when I realized I needed a life-changing Savior. Now, that, that is what I share. That's, that's a little bit of the story of what I share. My story of how Jesus changed my life. How God sent his son to die on a cross for our sins so that we may not die but have eternal life. So will you share your story so that people who are far from God can receive this amazing gift of salvation and grace? We we all have a different story, okay? We all have a different story. It doesn't have to be what I just shared, but it should all point back to the same loving Savior. Look at Philip and the Ethiopian. Two completely different people. One from a Jewish background, the other one living on the edge of civilization. But their stories, in the end, pointed to a loving Savior. And it's, it's also cool to think that just one person, one story, can have a huge, lasting effect. Uh, did you know that to this day... Ethiopia is a Christian nation. Now, this may not have been the only Ethiopian in biblical times and Luke's time that happened, but we have this account right here. And to this day, Ethiopia is still a Christian nation. So don't think that your story doesn't matter, because if it points back to God, that's the only thing that matters. Um, if, you, if you realize that maybe your story doesn't point back to God, Maybe you're thinking, wow, Jared, I just, I, if I was to tell my story, it had nothing to do with God in it. And you've got some questions, please feel free to come and ask and talk to someone.